Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. Now, normally I talk to guests each week. You can hear interviews with Lucinda Fredericks, Monty Roberts, and every now and again I mention my own horse, Blackjack but I've never really gone into detail or explained to you what happened to Blackjack. So for this episode, I thought I'd share our story. You may well connect with this, and you may have had the same experiences that I have. So I thought I'd uh, get on and explain to you exactly what happened to Blackjack. This is Horse Hour. You know me quite well now. You know that, uh, one, I'm not an amazing rider. And two, I absolutely love horses. It's like a little addiction that I've had from the first time I got on a horse at about four years old. In fact, probably before that, um, I was very lucky. My, my, my nan bought me a rocking horse when I was two. And I remember being addicted to this rocking horse. I was on it all the time, to the extent that I broke the floorboards because I'd just go back and forth every day. Absolutely loved it. And at four years old, my nan decided that, you know, now's the time for me to go and try a pony. And she took me to my local riding school, which was called Stocks Farm. And I had my first lesson and just fell in love with these horses. I I could never work out what it was about them because they were so big. But as a little four-year-old, I wasn't scared at all. I just wanted to be friends with them. I wanted to cuddle them. I wanted to protect them. And that stayed in with me now until I'm, well, I'm 32 now. It stayed with me forever. Um, and I still absolutely love these majestic animals. And as I get older, I feel like there's so much more that we could learn from them. And I'm learning all the time about uh, their behavior, the way that they connect and they communicate with each other to our relationships with our horses. It's always been a little dream of mine from that young age to own my own pony one day. And you know what life's like. You can only own a pony if you can afford to pay for the upkeep for it. And for years, I used to go riding every weekend, week in, week out. Every Saturday, I'd be at that yard. My nan would take me until I was 13, 13 years old. And I was quite a brave little girl. And at 13, I'd started show jumping. Well, I say show jumping. It wasn't show jumping like your international show jumpers or even as good as you show jumping. It was just popping over a few little cross poles trying to gain my confidence. It's funny when when you're remembering and reminiscing about the old times, you can actually remember, I can remember the ponies' names of the horses that I used to ride. The first horse that I cantered on was this beautiful Palomino horse called Major. And they put me on him, the instructor said, because he had the most comfortable canter. He was like a rocking horse. He was so easy to sit to. 
and and going back to I can picture myself being in that school and um, starting the canter at the front of the line and I was in a group lesson and I had a few people behind me and Major would just canter so calmly to the back of the the back of the line I was always relieved because I'd know that he'd stop as soon as we hit the back and then I rode this other gorgeous little pony called Tiara who was a little Arab and she was a chestnut and just had the nicest temperament. You could you could do anything with Tiara. And and Stocks Farm had Tiara for years. I remember going back when I was much older and still seeing this little pony being cared for and looked after and being loved by then little 11-year-old girls. And she was just a perfect, perfect little little children's pony. And then moving on to the next step was this uh, little beauty called Juliet. And she was one that was used in the riding school for jumping. And it was my time to move on to her to try a few jumps. And this one day I'd, I'd got quite confident and my instructor said, well, how about we try three jumps in a row? I mean, they were less than, they, they weren't even, they're probably about a foot high, little cross poles and one uh, one straight pole as well. And I was so, so excited about today because I felt like I was really progressing, you know, jumping one jump, then jumping a second and then going on to the third jump. And uh, I cantered round really really confident head up looking at the the black spot in front of me and my instructor just said just keep your head up sit back and let the horse do the work jumped the first one amazingly really really proud went to jump over the second slightly lost my balance by the third bang I'm on the floor I'd fallen off and uh, it wasn't the first time I'd fallen off a horse you know we've all fallen off quite a few times but this this time I hit the ground quite hard I didn't cry though, which was quite interesting. I didn't seem to be in any pain, but I, I knew that I'd hurt myself quite badly. Uh, I managed to stand up, and as the saying goes, you've got to get back on the horse. I got straight back on Juliet, uh, holding my arm because my arm felt a little bit wobbly, and uh, walked around the school. Anyway, we ended up calling an ambulance. Turns out I broke my arm. Yeah, not great. I had a hairline fracture. But I was quite proud of my break <laughs> because it meant that. Everybody says, everybody told me at the time that you're not a good rider until you've fallen off a few times and you've done some damage. So I felt like I was moving up the ladder and uh, I ended up going to hospital and having it in a plaster for six weeks. So that meant that I couldn't ride. And the sad thing is, I never got back into it. That was the end of me riding. I think uh, the fear kicked in, even though I loved the animals so much, it just... I never, I never went back every week and it got to a stage where I was just riding once a year. And I really missed it. School life kicked in, uh, family life kicked in. There was nobody to, to sadly to take me to riding every Saturday. My mum was working really hard. Um, my nan, bless her, she was allergic to horses anyway. So she used to take me but sit in the car. And I think there was this fear within our family then of that actually this is quite a dangerous sport, which was a shame. Looking back, it was a real shame. I wish that, I do wish that I'd uh, carried on going and done it some more. But in the end, I just take myself riding once a year. And every year I say, I'm going to go riding more this year. And every year I didn't. And at 15, I remember asking my dad, begging my dad, you know, every Christmas, every birthday, I'd say, please, 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 can I have a horse? Please, can I have a horse? I promise I'll look after him. I promise I'll do everything that I possibly can. Uh, Would Father Christmas bring me a horse this year? And my poor parents, they went from, you know, saying Father Christmas doesn't bring live animals to we've got nowhere to keep the horse to we don't even know what we're doing because my parents weren't horsey at all. They had no idea what to do with horses. In fact, I think my mum's quite scared of them. 
she used to ride when she was young. Um, she she was quite little actually. She's probably the same age about me. She's probably about eleven, and she went on a hunt, and the the hunt just took off, and her little pony just went mental. It was frothing at the mouth. It was galloping. It was rearing. It was doing everything, and I think that put her off horses for life. So, as an adult, she was quite scared of them. There was no way she was going to help me with a horse. And my dad turned around one day and said, uh, I was 15, and he said, Amy, I'm going to be really honest with you. You can have a horse when you can afford to buy it and you can afford to pay for the upkeep. And even at 15, that made perfect sense to me. You know, he said, we can't afford it right now. Um, Go to work, save up your money, and then you can have a horse. And that's always stuck with me in the back of my head was that I had to work hard and uh, eventually I would be able to own my own horse. And that's always stuck with me in the back of my head. And I got to about 26 years old and thought, right, I feel like I'm missing out on a lot. I feel like I'm missing out on the whole world of riding and the partnership and the, I never did the pony club. You've heard me talk about this quite a lot. You know, I'm always upset that I never had the chance to go to pony club and enjoy those experiences of meeting other horsey people. So um, at 26, I decided to get back into riding. And I took myself back to Stocks Farm where it all started and booked myself my first lesson. And every week, week in, week out, every Saturday, I went and had riding lessons. And I was shocked at how much confidence I'd lost. I mean, I was I was really afraid. I'd shake a lot. I was nervous. But in my stomach, in my heart, there was something I really, really wanted to do this. And I really wanted to be able to do it well. It wasn't just about getting on a horse and riding. As an adult, I guess I'm thinking about it in a different way. It was I wanted the partnership with the horse. I wanted the horse to be okay with me riding him. I didn't want to hurt him in any way. It's all got to be soft and gentle. And and I guess I'm hoping that's helped me in a way to become a bit of a better rider because I'm not this gun-ho, let's just gallop round kind of rider. I'm very, very soft. And uh, I had a year of riding, absolutely loving it, enjoying the being in the riding environment, enjoying being in the riding school, in the livery yard. And I was like a 26-year-old that felt like a 12-year-old again. It took me back to... I, you know, being that young girl within the yard and uh, and wanting to just get involved in everything. And this beautiful, beautiful horse came on the yard. She was a Frisian and she was just, oh, the epitome of beauty. She was black. She had a beautiful, long black mane and she was so elegant. The way that she walked and the way that she moved, everything about her was so stunning. And uh, my riding instructor said, I think you might be ready to move up to the next level and consider loaning your own horse. Um, It will give you great experience. The horse is on the yard, so you've got all your support around you. We're here, we can help you, and we can start teaching you about how to look after your own horse. And I think that would be the next step before you go thinking about buying your first pony, your first horse, which to me made perfect sense. So um, I looked at loaning this this gorgeous, gorgeous mare. The sad thing is it took three months to, I, I rode her, I taught, learned how to feed her. It took three months to work out the deal um, between me and the owner. And sadly, the owner decided to sell the horse on and I didn't get the opportunity to loan her, which I was quite sad about because she would have been amazing. Um, but he said he just financially couldn't keep up with her anymore. Um, he wasn't riding and it was time for her to move on to another home. So she got sold. 
I was left with no horse. But that was okay because in my mind, psychologically, I'd prepared myself now to take on a horse. So I felt like I was ready to have an, uh, have a horse. And so I had a long chat with my instructor and said, do you think, I know I haven't loaned the horse, but I feel ready now. Um, do you think now would be the time to look at buying one? And I'd saved up all my money. I, I was ready. I had the time. And she said, yes, let's go look. So there was me thinking, brilliant, by next week, I'm going to have a horse. It took months, months and months and months, because my amazing instructor was adamant. She taught me through the whole process and she was adamant that we were going to do this really properly. We were going to make sure that the horse was right for me, that I was right for the horse, um, that it was going to be OK in a busy yard environment. And more importantly, that it was a confident, confident horse that was going to um, help me with my riding as much as I could help him. And uh, I knew that I wanted a Frisian because I'd had this in my mind. I'd, I'd, I did loads and loads of research. I'm a bit OCD-like, to be honest. I, I, I need to do research, research to make sure that I know as much about the breed as possible. So I did lots of research about the Frisian breed. And it was interesting looking online because some people were saying you know, they're a really amazing first horse if you haven't had a horse before because their temperament is so kind. And then other people were saying if you haven't had experience looking after Frisians, then they're not necessarily the right horse to get uh, because they need a lot of extra care. So it was quite difficult to know if that was the right breed for me. I mean, I knew categorically that a thoroughbred was not going to be right because they need a lot of looking after. Um, Predominantly, they were a bit fast for me. I needed something a little bit slower that's not going to take off career, go mental, because my confidence wouldn't be able to cope with that. So I needed something quite steady and my passion was dressage. I loved it. I still love it. I love the partnership. I love the movement. I love the way that the horses float. Um, and more importantly, I, I just adore the relationship between the rider and the horse when you're watching dressage so for me that was the plan was that I would then keep going and training as much as I could to see just see how far I could get you know I'm not gonna be this amazing rider and and compete internationally but I just wanted to see how far how far I could push myself and how well I could do Gosh, I trawled the internet for weeks looking for the right horse. And uh, eventually I found a few Frisians to go and look at. And they were all over the country. And I thought, well, I don't really want to do this by myself. It's such a big, big decision. Um, and I need to make sure I've got the right horse. I really need my instructor there with me. So I asked her if she'd spend the day with me. And we travel around the country looking at these and trying these different horses. And uh, she was amazing. Of course, she said, yes, I will be there. And, uh, and it'll be a fun day out. And it was, you know, your first experience of buying a horse. It's all new. It's all exciting. You get to go to different yards. And, and you have this dreamlike view that uh, every horse is going to be amazing. And actually, I think the best thing that I did was try different horses because every horse feels different. And the feel of the horse I'm always taught is what's so important. You have to be able to connect with the horse and you have to be able to really feel their movement. So first of all, I went up to Kent and I tried a couple of horses up there. Nothing really seemed right. I, I can't explain it really. The horses were either too bolshy, too pushy, um, uh, had a little bit too much testosterone in them. I'd also got into my head that I didn't want a mare. 
and I, and I, if you have a mare, then I hugely apologise. Um, but in my head, I thought I need something that's really, really easy. And through my research, heard, because let's be honest, I was relatively inexperienced. So I could only go on other people's opinions because I hadn't experienced ever looking after a mare myself before. So in my head, I knew I wanted a gelding because I'd heard that they could be moulded a little bit easier. Um, so I knew I wanted a Frisian, probably about 15-3 gelding. That was my that was my ideal. So we went to try a few horses. Um, they're all Frisians. Uh, they were beautiful, beautiful horses, but some of them just didn't feel right. Either they were a little bit too small or they were quite, quite heavy on the foot. And one of them was so bolshy. There was just no way I'd be able to handle him. He was pushing them around the stable. He was just really, really pushy. And I thought I'd, I need something that's relatively easy to handle. In some ways, I guess, I was looking for the absolute dream horse. And, you know, this was taking ages. I thought I'm never, I'm just never going to find him. And then we were in the car and Rachel said, now I, I wasn't going to tell you, but I found a horse that I think would be perfect for you. And I said, oh, amazing, what's he like? How old is he? And he, she said, well, he's not a pure Frisian. He's a Frisian cross Gelderlander. And I was like, oh, but he's not a pure Frisian. And she said, well, don't let that put you off. He's slightly young, but he has beautiful movements. He looks stunning. And from the sounds of it, he's got a lovely temperament. And I think between us, I think with me coaching you, we could really make him into a fabulous dressage horse. Now, Gelderlanders are known as having very fine legs. They're predominantly carriage horses um, and Frisians are carriage horses. And where Frisians are quite stocky and they have thick legs, Gelderlanders have finer legs. So they have beautiful, beautiful dressage movements. So the two combined is a really unique breed. So she said, would you be prepared to go and look at it? And I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm open-minded. Let's go and have a look at him. And there he was, little old Blackjack, looking absolutely amazing, pure, pure black. He just looked absolutely stunning. And he looked at me and he was proper soft as well. He had this real soft temperament and he snuggled up to me. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I fell in love with him straight away. He was just absolutely amazing. And I tried him, we did a walk trot canter, we went into the school, I took him on a hack. He felt absolutely amazing. Um, he, he was young, so he was four years old. And I said to Rachel, I don't think I'm experienced enough to actually take on a four-year-old. And she said, normally, Amy, I'd say, yes, I totally agree with you. But his temperament is such that he's a very honest boy. He's not silly. He's not jumping around the place. He's not bucking and rearing. Um, I think that with the right training and with consistent training, I think you two could progress together and that would be really lovely. And I completely fell in love with him. And I remember saying to the lady, I, I yes, I want him. Um, but then I panicked and I said, can I just have a minute to think about it? And Rachel said, look, why don't you take a few days to think about it, come back up and try him again. So it's always good to try a horse a few times. You don't have to buy a horse there and then straight away. Um, this is a huge lifelong commitment. So he's got to be right. You've got to be a good partnership for each other. So why don't you go home, have a think. We'll have a chat about it on the way home and then come back up again in a few days and try him again. So I said, great, that's what I agreed to do with the lady. I went home a few weeks later. Every night I was thinking about this horse and I wasn't just thinking oh my gosh, I love him, like I would have done at 12 years old, it was, is he right? I need to think about this sensibly. I need to make sure this is the right decision because I also don't want to take on a horse that I can't handle and then have to sell him because 
I just don't think that would be a responsible decision. I wanted to make sure that I was informed in every way and knew that he was the right horse for me. So uh, I went back up in a few days and uh, took him out in the school again, took him for a little hack. Also, I booked a vetting for the same day. So I thought while I'm there, I'd like the vet to come along and assess him and just make sure that he is healthy. Now, there's two types of vettings. There's a two-stage vetting and a five-stage vetting. And because so much time and effort had gone into this and I'd saved up enough funds to be able to pay for a five-stage vetting as well because I thought, I'm going to do this, I need to do it properly. So the vet came down, they checked the heart rate, they checked his uh, respiratory rate, they checked uh, his legs, his ligaments, his muscles, they checked everything. And they popped him on a lunge while I was there, so I got to see him walk, trot, canter and uh, see all his movements. And I remember sitting in the car thinking, I really 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 want this horse he's just the loveliest friendliest horse he's got an amazing temperament and he's just so beautiful he's just my absolute dream and in the back of my head I thought this is such a big decision is this the right thing to do and uh, I phoned Rachel and said I don't know what to do like I want him but I'm also a bit scared that I'm taking on something that might be a little bit young for me and she said Amy only you can make that decision I can't decide that for you but I will let you know that I am here to support you, whatever you want to do. So I, you know, he'll be at the yard with us. Um, we're all here to help you. Don't think that you're just going to be left on your own to look after this new horse. We're all here to support you and uh, we can do this together. I think he's great. I think you'll be able to cope with him um, and I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of him. I wouldn't have recommended him otherwise. However, it is your decision. And that just gave me the boost that I needed to know that I was surrounded by support because the thought of looking after a horse, one by myself, was just too far too scary for me. So knowing that I had that support around me just, just made it so much easier. And that was it. I walked in and said, thank you very much. I will, uh, I will take him on. Now, at that time, I did ask for his background. I wanted to know where he came from. I knew that they didn't know his bloodline, but they knew that he was a Frisian cross Gelderlander. I said, um, the previous owner, uh, what did they? What, what were their plans? What did they do with him? And so the way that you can buy horses is obviously through privately or through dealers or through sales agents. And I went to a dealer, but this is where it gets confusing. If a dealer sells a horse... Then what they do is they buy the horse in and then they sell. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If a dealer is selling on behalf of somebody else, then in that respect, they're working as a sales agent. So they don't take any responsibility for the sale. They just take a commission based off what they what they make off the horse. And obviously, if you buy privately, then that's totally different. So with Blackjack's um, story, the dealer was working as a sales agent. So there was another lady that owned him and she was selling him through this dealer, through this sales agent and selling on to me. So I said, could you give me as much background? I need, I need want his veterinary history um, so that I can keep all his records up to date, uh, what he's done, when he was backed, as much information as you can give me. And the sales agent said, well, the previous owners had him from a baby, had him from a foal. She backed him at three. Uh, he's very, very green. He's literally just done walk, trot and canter. Um, and then you are taking him on at four. He's done some hacking as well, but he's very young. So he ha- really hasn't done that much work. And so he needs to be brought on. So I said, OK, great. Well, that sounds good. So there's the history there. And does he have a passport? And they said, yes, he does have a passport. So I said, brilliant, I've ticked all the boxes. So I've got the passport, I've got the history. Um, She's going to send me the veterinary history and I've had a five-stage vetting. So I feel confident that I've done everything that I can as a responsible owner taking on a new horse. So I get Blackjack home. Um, It took me ages to work out what what I was going to name him because his original name was Jack Daw. Lots of people said, well, you can't change the name too much because it's superstitious, it's bad luck. So I had to keep Jack in there somehow. So that's how I came up with the name Blackjack. And I remember getting him home and uh, I took him up to the yard and and he pulled, when he pulled up, it was quite a long journey for him. And the the transporter that I used, you know, I I can't transport horses. I had to get somebody to transport him for me. Had all these awesome lights inside and outside. I remember opening the doors and she pulled back the doors. Oh, it just looked like Christmas because the time of year that I bought him, I got him literally four days before Christmas. So it was very exciting. He was a massive, massive present. And um, just seeing those doors open was just, oh, it was just amazing. Makes me quite emotional thinking about it. And I felt like I'd really reached a dream, you know, from that moment that um, my dad said, said you can have a horse when you can afford to buy one. And I was 15 then. And then, gosh, over 10 years later, I've finally bought my first horse. And I remember phoning my dad and saying, he won't believe this, but I've bought my first horse, Dad. And he said, really? What have you done? What have you got? And I said, well, I remember that time that you said to me, if you, you know, you can have your own horse when you can buy it, when you can afford to pay for it and pay for its upkeep. And, and that just instilled in me, I think, my whole life is that you work hard, save enough money, and uh, you can do what you want as long as you put in the effort. So I'm, yeah, I'm very grateful to him for that. So yeah, so I got my lovely boy home. I was very excited. We had lots of cuddles. We didn't have any tack. Um, and because it was so close to Christmas, we didn't have, oh gosh, I couldn't get a saddler out for two weeks. So um, 
I did some research on what I could do with him. I wanted to bond with him and I knew I couldn't ride him straight away because I didn't have any tack. Um, so I was looking at other things. And that's when I started Monty Roberts Join Up. And uh, my, again, with the support of Rachel, my instructor, and some other people at the yard, I learned how to do Join Up. And it was just amazing. I think for me, the best thing I ever did was having those two weeks of not being able to ride him because he uh we connected we really really connected I wasn't straight on his back telling him what to do it was I just spent time grooming him and brushing him and feeding him and he got used to the environment and he settled in really well so it was a really really lovely Christmas a really lovely time and um and he'd settled into his new home which was amazing and then eventually I got to start riding him and this is where the story turns a little bit for the worst um within three months i found out that blackjack was lame he was one tenth lame and we couldn't work out what was wrong with him i spent ages trying to find out it was his it looked like his back left leg he just looked slightly off on it when i was doing my riding when we were going around the school he was really struggling to canter and the standard thing for people when they're looking at Frisians, the, the standard thing for people to say is that well, Frisians struggle to canter because they're predominantly carriage horses, so they're used to trotting. They don't really have to do much canter work. Um, so asking them to collect, pull their their back legs underneath them and move into canter is quite a difficult job for them to do, so they're not used to it. So a lot of my time over those three months was teaching him well, a nice walk and trot and then trying to teach him to move into canter and three months doesn't sound like a long time and and everything with him was done very slowly and very gently and it was about building trust gaining confidence for both of us um, but just trying to teach him simple movements whilst also teaching him to stretch his neck out stretch his back out and uh, and remain relaxed because the one thing that I wanted forever was a relaxed horse I don't want a spooky horse I want one that's super cool and happy to go anywhere and I believe that patience is key for that so we had as far as I was concerned we had all the time in the world but the 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 problem that he had was he was really really struggling to canter and then I found this one-tenths lame so I phoned the vet they came and had a look and what shocked me was they said well he's only one-tenths lame so you could well work through this if you wanted to and I said well why would I if he's lame at all why would I work through that why would I not try and find out what's wrong with it and uh, try and make it better and they said fair enough how far would you like to go and I said well I'd like you to keep going until you work out what's wrong with him he ended up having box rest and as he was getting the box rest he was looking more and more lame so the vets decided they needed to do more to assess him work out what was wrong with him and that meant that they needed to do nerve blocks and then they did they put some green fluid inside six months went by they couldn't work out what was wrong with him and my vet was very honest and he said look I've I've tried everything I really don't know what it is I think the next step is for him to go up to Newmarket Clinic there's a lady that I know up there that's really good she's called Professor Dyson and she will be able to assess him she's got more machinery she can take pictures of the ligaments and the muscles and all the insides take him up there and see if she can find out what's wrong with him so this is six months of not riding and worrying and trying to work out what was wrong with him. So I took him up to Newmarket 
and within three days, Professor Dyson had worked out that he has a severe injury on the front right leg. And that was what was showing, that's why he was looking lame in the back left leg, because he was overcompensating. But in actual fact, he had severe damage to the front right leg. And I said, well, what sort of damage has he got? And she said, well, the three ligaments of the front right leg have all been so badly damaged. I can tell from the images and from the rate of healing that he had an injury over a year ago. So this was before I bought him. He has split the three ligaments in his front right leg and he hasn't been helped. Nobody's helped him. And because of that, his three ligaments have all wrapped around each other where they've tried to naturally heal themselves. So that's why he's lame in the back left leg is because he's overcompensating because he doesn't have as much suspension in the front right leg. And I said, well, how is, how is this? You know, I had a five-stage vetting, everything was checked out, um, I've got his history. And she said, well, all I can suggest is that you phone the previous people and find out maybe he had an accident there. Um, but it's, I said, well, is it severe enough that they would have known that it, it would have happened? And she said, yes, they would have definitely known. He wouldn't have been able to walk. I was like, wow, okay. So I said, so how can I make this better? Can we operate? And she said, well, I'd like to say that we can operate. And normally, if it was found early on, then we would have been able to split the ligaments and sew them back together. But because of the rate of healing, because it's happened so long ago, where the ligaments have tried to heal themselves, they've already connected to each other. And I wouldn't be able to fix that. So I said, so what are my options? Is he in pain? You know, if he's lame, he must be showing some sort of pain. What pain is he in? And she said, Amy you're not going to be able to do with him what you want to do. You're never going to be able to ride him again. The only option I could say is to put him down. Well, I just burst into tears. Um, I couldn't believe that my little boy that I loved so much had, one, gone through all this pain and I didn't know about it, and two, I now have to put him down. And I said, but is he in pain? That's the most important thing. I don't care if I never have to ride him again. It doesn't matter as long as he's not in pain. Will he be okay living in a field? You know, I could just put him out to grass. I could retire him. Why do I have to put him down? And she said, well, actually, he would be okay doing that. If that's something that you feel you can offer him, you won't ever be able to ride him. But if that's something you could feel you can offer him a nice life, then no, he's not in pain and he'll be fine living in a field, put out to pasture and retired. She said, what you will need to do is keep an eye on his leg and make sure that it doesn't hook up because where the ligaments are fused together... They might they might hook up and, and give him a bit of a bent leg. So that's something you're going to need to keep an eye on. And if that starts to happen, then I will reassess him. So I said, okay, great. So I don't need to put him down. I can put him in a field and he's just going to live a nice, long, happy life just being a horse. And she said, yeah, that would be fine. So that's what I did. I decided to retire him. He was only four, but I couldn't bear the thought of putting a horse down just because he can't do a job. I just don't agree with that. And um, as far as I was concerned, I had taken on this, this responsibility. I'd completely fallen in love with him. And there was absolutely no way he was going anywhere other than having a lovely, long, happy home with me. When I brought Blackjack home and I put him in the field and put him out to retire... 
I decided to phone the previous owner and ask her if there had been any issues. And I said, look, I'm going through all these problems with Blackjack. Um, he's He's got a severe injury. It must have happened in the fields or it must have happened with you. Is there anything that you can tell me that happened that, you know, did you take him to the vet? What did they say that could help me help Blackjack? She screamed at me down the phone and said, he was fine when he left me. Don't think that you're going to sue me. And that shocked me. I said, what do you mean? I'm not going to sue you. I just wanted to find out what was wrong with him. You know, if there were any issues, how how could I help him now if I don't know what happened to him then? And she said, well, it's nothing to do with me. It's been nine months since you bought the horse. It's up to you. And she put the phone down. And that had like huge bells ringing to me. That was That's not a normal way to approach a conversation like that unless you've got something to hide. So I pretty much had it that you know, she was hiding something, something wasn't right. And so I phoned the sales agent back and said, look, this is the situation that I've, I've had with Blackjack. They've told me I, I need to put him down because he can't do his job anymore. Um, but I just like to know what happened previously. I've spoken to the previous owner. She's got really, really funny with me um, and saying that I'm going to sue her and stuff. And really, I'm not. I just want to know because she's had him from a foal. So she's she's seen him grow up. There must something happened a year before I bought him. She He was in her care. So can can you help find out what happened so that I can then tell the professor so that I can help fix him and make him better? And the sales agent said, well, she didn't have him from a foal. I said, what do you mean? Yes, yeah, she did. You told me she had him from a foal. And she said, no, she bought him from gypsy dealers when he was two and a half and he was cart raced when he was two. That was probably what caused the damage. Are you kidding me? You lied. They lied to me from the very beginning. They told me that she'd had him from a foal, when in actual fact, he wasn't. He was cart raced. No wonder he had the damage. No wonder that poor little man, who was also afraid of whips, and I could never understand why. I always thought that was just down to the backing. But in actual fact, if he'd been cart raced and hammered down roads, I'm not surprised he's got that injury. And in actual fact, the professor said he does have an injury in his back two legs as well. Very, very slight ligament damage, probably bruised or a little bit stretched. So I'm not surprised that he, he, the poor little man has been through absolute hell. So I'm finding out all this now after I've bought him, after he's got this damage that I now can't fix, even though I really want to. And now the professor's telling me that I've got to put him down as well. There is no way that this is going to be Blackjack's life. No way. He's going to have a very long and happy life of no pain, no problems, no issues, just happy being um, a horse in a field. And for the first time in his life, he's going to feel safe. And that for me was the most important thing is that this little man is that he feels safe. And it was that, that decision then, it was that that then led me to say, I'm not putting him down. He is going to be retired at four. And he's going to live a very long and happy life in his fields. And no matter how long, you know, that needs to take, I, I just couldn't face the thought of putting down a horse just because he'd, he'd been abused when he was younger um, because some idiots don't handle horses properly. And, um, and I'm, I'm not putting him down just because I can't ride him. I couldn't be that selfish. So, yeah, I moved him on. I found this gorgeous piece of land and he, he was retired in there. 
every day I'd go down and see him and I'd groom him and we'd play in the field and he'd get fed and I can honestly say I think that was the best decision that I've ever ever made in my life because seeing that little boy grow up and um, watching him in the field you know for ages he could only walk he could do a little trot but he'd never canter and over the two years the vet my my local vet would come back and assess him he obviously had all the reports from Newmarket Clinic and he'd come back every six months and assess him and see how he's doing and and bit by bit Blackjack started running a little bit more in the field he started trotting more and then he started playing more and then you'd see a little canter and over the two years he was rearing and and he was galloping around the field and it was just absolutely crazy it was amazing to watch this little man who seemed to be in no pain and seemed to be just enjoying life completely and I said to the vet one day I I need to know that he's not in pain because this has always been in the back of my head is that you know I made this decision to to give him a good life only if he's not in pain I can't bear the thought of seeing him in that field struggling every single day and he's he was very clear and he said Amy he's he he's not in pain because he's not lame the lameness has gone he would tell you in his movement if he was in any pain whatsoever, you'd know. And all we've done is watch this horse, watch Blackjack get progressively better over the two years of having time off from being ridden and um, time to just get some headspace and let his body recover and heal itself. And at that point, he said, he's so good. I think you could try getting back on him. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. I was absolutely ecstatic, but also petrified. And I said to my vet, I'm not sure that I can, because after all this time, I don't think I could uh, I, I could have the guilt of getting on him and then him having an issue or being lame or struggling or being in pain in any way. Um, and he said, my vet said, well, with the best one in the world, Amy, you just sitting on his back isn't going to make much of a difference because you don't weigh that much. He's a big, strong horse now and he's fine walking, trotting and cantering around the field. He'll be fine if you just sit on him. So I did. I sat on his back and burst into tears because I couldn't believe that this was happening. And um, and eventually we started going for very slow little walks around the field. I mean, literally nothing, nothing crazy. I didn't push him on. I didn't make him do anything. I just sat on him whilst he walked his pace and he went as fast or as slow as he wanted to do. And before long, bit by bit, we started building it up. And before long, he was strutting his stuff, walking around without a care in the world. And every week the vet would come down and assess him, make sure that he was okay, that he didn't have any signs of lameness whatsoever. And it was like literally a miracle. There was nothing, no pain, no lameness, no signs of issues whatsoever. I mean, his front right leg will always have an issue there. He'll always have the ligaments tied together. But the key and the strategy was to very, very slowly build the muscle up around the ligament. And if we could build up enough strength, then I would be able to maybe one day take him for a hack, uh, maybe wander him, walk him down the road. We're now another two years on. I've owned Blackjack for four years and um, two years since the vet first said I could get back on his back. 
we have worked and progressed so much and so slowly it's just been phenomenal patience has always been key for me I've always said I've got all the time in the world it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if I can never ride him again because I'd already decided I was never going to ride him again four years ago so the fact that anything that we do from now on is just a complete bonus and it's just remarkable the last two years of he's gone from you know he'll canter around the field and we've gone from very 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 slow walking um to now we're going out and hacking three times a week he goes out into the forest we can have a canter um we're still taking it very slowly uh, always on soft ground never on hard ground and only at blackjack's pace so some days he's feeling super and he's like yeah let's go let's run this is amazing we've got the new forest horses and we've got the cows and he absolutely loves hacking it's his favorite thing and uh, a month ago we took him back into the school and started riding him really slowly working him in the school just just again everything is at blackjack's pace um a little bit of walk a little bit of trot no tight circles everything's really slowly and and i'm so thrilled to say that over the years uh, through rehabilitation and just being really gentle and doing everything slowly we've managed to build a lot of muscle around his ligament injury which has strengthened his leg which means that now he's more balanced and he has the strength to be able to be ridden it's amazing absolutely amazing and I'm so so proud of him and for everything that he's been through I'm really grateful that I'm the one that took him on and that I get to give him a lovely happy life because he's just such an amazing horse and I think I don't want to be too dreamy um but I think sometimes you get one horse that is your forever horse that you connect with and through going through all that I do believe that Blackjack knows that he's safe he can be a little monkey at times don't get me wrong but you get the odd moments where you know when your horse is really really listening to you and he really trusts you there's times when he doesn't listen to me at all He's like, no, mum, I'm going to go this way. It's way more fun that way. Uh, but the other day, I was we've we've started working on hill work, uh, very slight hills, building him up and down, and getting him used to being able to use all his back legs and balance himself. And I was going down this hill, and it was a little bit steeper than one that he normally goes down. And he just froze stolid, and it was almost like he was saying, I can't go down here. You know, it's too it's too steep. I'm not going to make it. And then um, I just gave him his head and um, very calmly squeezed him on. I said, come on, Blackjack, you can do it. You'll be okay. And his ears went back. He he listened. I know he listened. And I squeezed him on and he said, all right then. And then down the hill he went. And that was me in tears again. You know, I'm so emotional. Anything that he does, I'm like, I'm just so super proud of him. Um, but that was a very, very special moment for me. So that is Blackjack's story. So now when I'm talking a little bit about him, you can understand why I guess why I uh, I get very emotional and um, why he means so, so much to me. And also why I preach on about taking your time with your horse and nothing should be a rush. And also why I'm a massive believer in natural horsemanship and, and soft skills and being gentle with them and you know, not beating them around the head. You don't need to do that. He didn't need to be beaten. He didn't need to be cart raced. He didn't need to be afraid of whips. I'm getting 
more enjoyment out of my relationship with blackjack than I think I could with any horse just doing just being gentle and doing everything slowly and laying the foundations so that hopefully over the next 10 years blackjack and I can go out riding together and you know maybe one day you never know we might even enter a little competition I really hope you enjoy the time with your horse and and please share your stories because I'm always interested to hear your journey and your story with your horse. And thank you, thank you for listening. I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at amystevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.